Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today we're talking about the value of education, and we are joined by the host of the Cannabis Voices podcast, medical cannabis writer and author, Mary Biles. Mary, thank you for being here with us today. Oh, it's great to be talking to you guys. It's a real thrill. Thank you for having me. Well, we're so grateful for uh, you staying up late and, uh, and joining us. We know we're talking to you uh, from the United Kingdom. And if you uh-huh. could, real quickly, just give us a bit of an update for yourself on uh, how things have been over the last couple of months and if they seem to be uh, getting any better. Um, I mean, in the context of, of the coronavirus, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's been... I spent most of the last two months in quite a small flat with no outside space, um, just kind of, you know, plowing on with my writing, really. Um, I mean, in the UK, we're at a sort of very delicate stage where everything is starting to open up. Um, But I think this is such, you know, unknown territory that, um, yeah, they're very tentative steps and hoping that, you know, things continue to go in the right direction. But, you know, we just don't know. Well, as a writer, sometimes being hunkered down is uh, is not the worst thing. Um, no, so, yes. so I, I guess uh, it, it did probably, and maybe the deadline for the book was was way before. But maybe it helped out with uh, with you finishing up the book that you are publishing. Uh, it's being published uh, July twenty third of this month. It's the CBD That's book. That's right. Yeah. The mm-hmm. CBD book, the essential guide to CBD oil. Uh, give us Correct. some background here, Mary. What uh, what drove you to write this book? Well, I mean, I sort of was part of the CBD industry for the last um, four or five years, and and I guess could be considered a, a CBD insider, certainly in Europe. Um, and have been writing not just about CBD, about other cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system for quite a while. Um, and there's, you know, there's CBD in the UK. Um, there's just been this huge kind of buzz around it, and I think it's. Uh, last year, there were figures saying I think between four and six million people in the UK have tried CBD. So that's about kind of nine percent of the of the population. So um, there are already a couple of books coming out in the UK about CBD. And actually, it was the publisher um, Harper Collins who contacted me. I mean, it's for me, it's a dream to be writing a book. Um, but I think they found me through the the, the writing that I do for Project CBD. Um, in in California, and they they approached me basically, so I was I was delighted to come on board. Well, Mary, talk a little bit about Project CBD, if you would, please. I know you've been involved there, and you know, trying to 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 bring some perspective and to bring some some facts to the table uh, from a scientific and medical perspective has always been the goal of Project CBD, and. To a certain extent, I think that some of the early CBD companies in the U.S. would go so far as to call Project CBD as a thorn in their side because it brought right. accuracy and direct information to the table in a field of a lot of unknowns uh, in a place that requires education. So tell our listeners a little bit about that, how it, uh, what you understand about uh, how it evolved and what your role has been with that, uh, that, uh, that report. Well, I mean, really, I've just been involved with Project CBD as a contributing writer for, I guess, for the last mm, sort of nine months to a year. 
Um, and for me, when I entered the industry, they were a point of reference because, I, I mean, I literally came into the industry blind. And my boss at the time was like, okay, you just need to immerse yourself in, in Project CPD because, um, as you say, you know, they're... they're they believe in 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 CBD in cannabis and the, and the cannabis plant um, as a whole and its medicinal value, um, but they're very strong on science. So um, and um, you know generally the who they have writing for them are scientists, are doctors, um, people who you know present the facts and and there's no kind of you know creating kind of fake news or trying to you know portray the plant. Uh, as greater than it is. I mean, something that, that I noticed coming into into this world, you know, you might find a, um, a study might be published, a preclinical study, I don't know, about a flavonoid. There was one that would, that came out um, in the last year, a particular flavonoid in, 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 in cannabis, but in, in the lab show potential anti-tumoral activity, which is really exciting. Then often that gets extrapolated. The next thing you'll see, I don't know, even in in broadsheet newspapers in the UK, that that you know that this particular like this compound in cannabis will be a cure for cancer. Um, so I think a lot of what um, Project CBD is about is keeping perspective um, and and calling out any kind of dodgy science. Actually, I mean, as you say, they have been a, a thorn in the side um, for for a few players in the industry um, because I guess. You know, it, I mean, we're we're playing catch up in the UK and in Europe. I mean, it's um, the medical cannabis industry has, has been going along uh, a lot longer in in North America, um, but it is it is the Wild West, um, and I think you know, sort of uh, Project CBD is is a, a beacon really um, to to just kind of keep things on track and to and to promote decent, solid science, and also it's something I think. As, uh, for patients, it's somewhere they can turn to. They have a really great resource where they have per condition um, all the all the sort of peer-reviewed studies that exist for particular conditions related to cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system. So, you know, it's just a fantastic resource. And for me to actually, you know, end up writing for Project CBD, it's, I mean, it's, I have to kind of pinch myself really um, because it's, it's a dream. It really is a dream. Well, no, that's uh, that your, your passion comes through, and and uh, I I think that that's something that uh, that's really what drives people towards certain ser- sources, particularly in this environment. So I want to talk about your your book and and what you've been working on, but I'd like to to do that really against the backdrop of an observation, and that was I participated in the uh, European Industrial Hemp Association conference. Uh, online, virtual. Unfortunately, we couldn't attend in, in Cologne this year, um, just mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. And, and of course, have been involved in the European circuit, so to speak, over the last two to four years in this regard. Um, it seems to me that despite the European Union's rich history with the hemp plant and with the fact that it's actually had an industry for so long, certainly since the United States effectively prohibited the plant in the late 1930s, well, the U.S. comes back in 2015 and begins begins planting hemp and really goes all in on CBD, in large part because of the fact that uh, there was a demand, in large part because there these marijuana programs out, uh, 
opened up state to state to state, and it was easy to borrow or steal technology from those marijuana industries at fifteen or $20,000 per unit to begin extracting plant material in the very same way that they were doing it in the licensed marijuana system. And that's kind of how it evolved here in the, in the United States. Prior to mm-hmm. that, we had imports coming in uh, that were alleged to have been extracted from stock and stem. Another issue that Project CBD brought light to, whether that was accurate, whether technology supported it, that's besides the point right now. But here we are in the U.S. where you, shouldn't, you can't talk about CBD anymore. If, you're, if you have a conference, you have an event, or if you're an investing in the hemp industry and you're talking about CBD, then you're talking about old news, something that's been saturated and, and moved on. Whereas in the European Union, despite its rich history and the fact that it's participated, even built the industry over the last several decades, is all in on looking at cannabinoids and CBD. Can you shed some light on why you believe that's the case and what uh, were some of the barriers to distribution, even though it's not regulated, it's not regulated in the U.S. to this very day, yet it's distributed all over the place. Um, why, are we, why are we so focused on CBD right now in Europe uh, as the new news? Right. I mean, I guess you have to remember, I mean, I can only really talk about from the perspective of the U.K. and also Spain, because I was living in Spain for, for sort of 10 years until quite recently. Um, certainly in the U.K., we we. I mean, there is a, there is a, um, you know, I think it's 1.4 million people are accessing the black market for um, uh, cannabis for medicinal use, but we haven't got um, an established legal market for for medicinal cannabis. So um, when CBD, which was kind of marketed as as sort of legal medicinal cannabis, became available, um, it, it just seemed something that. Uh, was tremendously exciting, um, certainly for people in the UK. And there was a, you know, I guess the things started to build um, around, I mean, I kind of came on board in 2015. Um, things were already, you know, the sort of Charlotte Figgy story had broken in the United States. There was a lot of kind of anecdotal reports. There were a few kind of initial companies starting in, in, in the UK um, and, you know, there were some big players that uh, were starting in, in sort of mainland Europe as well. Um, and I think it just it just created this tremendous buzz, this sort of word of mouth. Um, the media started picking up on this as well. Um, because, we, you know, it, it, if you have um, arthritis or anxiety or any of these conditions that CBD can be effective for uh, and you don't feel comfortable going to the black market, suddenly this was this was an option. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much what's, what's been happening across, across Europe. And I guess as well at the same time, you know, there is an increased interest in, in wellness and, and turning to more kind of natural, natural medicine. Um, and I guess all the sort of ducks lined up really. Well, Mary, you know, you referenced a, a figure at the very beginning of our conversation, which is just the boom in CBD oil sales in the UK that the interest from consumers is exploding. And of course, this is a a non-regulated at this point in time uh, industry. And we've seen studies certainly here in Colorado and certainly here in the United States that show that uh, oftentimes, or at least sometimes, what is advertised as far as the milligrams of CBD in a product does not always, uh, it's not always accurate. When they test the product, it's actually shown to be uh, less CBD. There's just a lot of confusion. 
Is that an issue that you're seeing in Europe as well, or is that uh, primarily an issue that's more prevalent, you think, here in the United States? No, I think this, this is a, a, a general issue. Um, just to give an example, um, in 2019, the, the Center for Medical Cannabis did a CBD report, um, and they tested 30 CBD products um, only 38% of them contained within 10% of the CBD advertised on the label. <clears throat> um, there was, for example, a product that was um, contained 3.8% alcohol, which would qualify as an alcoholic beverage. Um, and then the sort of perhaps the, the most sort of shocking product was one that was actually sold in in a high street pharmacy chain that contained contained no CBD at all. So. Um, 45% of the of the of the products tested contained measurable uh, amounts of THC, which you might think, well, you know, what's the problem with that? Because you often see these figures kind of bandied around. So, you know, in in the United States, I think it's if, um, the, it's okay to have uh, less than 0.3% THC, and it's often spoken about in the UK that uh, having less than 0.2% THC is okay, and that's what the the full spectrum products contain but technically uh, any THC is illegal uh, and considered con a controlled uh, substance so and a narcotic so you have all these products uh, which I for example consume so if you know if I you know the advice that I give in the book which is you know the general advice that, that um, in the industry is if you can go full spectrum um, and you know there are a whole plethora of companies selling full spectrum products at the moment, but they are technically breaking the law. So, um, so this is a very interesting situation. There's a lot of kind of grey areas that, while it isn't regulated, um, people are sort of taking advantage of. And, and I, and I'm I'm happy that they're taking advantage of it because I think it will be uh, um, a, a sadder situation for CBD um, when um, from April next year, it's very, very highly likely that there will be no more full spectrum CBD um, products on the market in the UK. So you, you just pointed something out that I was going to bring up, uh, and I'm glad you did. And that is the notion of isolated forms that are regulated versus either broad or full spectrum forms. And now, I guess terminology matters here, too. When we talk about full spectrum, to some people that means deriving the plant material uh, in its, from its natural state, uh, which would necessarily include THC. Some people say if it includes THC, regardless of how it's derived, then that would be derived as a, a full spectrum. But, you know, there, there's some disagreement there, but I think technically it would be the former. But the, yeah. you, the FDA rules in the United States as they evolve, are based on state rules. And those state rules for foods and supplements ultimately allow for full or broad-spectrum products to be utilized with a milligram cap. Now, this hasn't been put into force and effect yet, but that's the direction that we're going in terms of FDA regulation. FDA regulation would suggest that CBD or cannabinoid products are going to be full-spectrum or broad-spectrum products that are in the food or supplement lane, quote-unquote, whereas a concentrated or isolated form of the product would be what's used in um, uh, ph pharmaceutical-grade or FDA-approved uh, medicines. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the UK and or novel foods across the European Union, 
you're looking at a, uh, a regulatory structure that requires isolated forms, particularly with the novel foods designation, unless you can go back and prove, and it seems like it's too late, that these cannabinoids in their natural format existed in, in pre-1997 uh, foods and supplements. So I know that's a mouthful, but um, from a scientific perspective, from someone who understands this deeply, don't you see that as a problem, that we could have competing regulatory structures, one that supports isolates, one that supports full or broad-spectrum products, um, and that would seem to interfere with the potential of grand-scale international commerce with these products? Yeah, certainly not a, a joined-up approach, um, for sure. I mean, I mean, I, the thing is, to be honest, I guess because I'm in the UK, I just um, think about um, the people who who uh, rely on particular CBD products to um, maintain their health. So I think this is a difficulty with CBD because it is this huge disruptor. So on the one hand, you know, you could be taking the same product for, you know, well-being, just to kind of, I don't know, manage stress, etc. But someone else might be taking that product, uh, that same product to control seizures. Um, CBD companies can't talk about any of these, you know, um, that, you know, that, I don't know, their CBD oil um, um, has anti-seizure effects. But the reality is that there are people who are taking it for, you know, children for, for um, epilepsy or autism. Um, and they're very sensitive to particular formulations. Um, so my concern is when this change comes in, um, what's going to happen to these very vulnerable people, basically. But the thing is, they can't call or, or call that to um, bring a light to that because um, CBD is just a nutritional supplement, the CBD that, you know, that is, that is available online and is not a pharmaceutical product. So it's a very, very difficult situation. Um, and, I, you know, I am concerned. I am concerned for a certain sector of the population who do rely on CBD products. If you're taking CBD for wellness and managing stress, I really don't think it will, ma- it will matter too much. I think broad spectrum is probably fine. Um, but, you know, it, it's, a very, it's a very tricky situation to manage. Well, and I think this is a good place to highlight. Uh, you, of course, host a podcast uh, called Cannabis Voices. So you speak to a number of folks who are using uh, all of these cannabinoids, CBD, yeah. THC, people who are seeing the benefit uh, of this plant. And, and maybe you could share with us uh, just an episode or, or of somebody you've spoken to that really stayed with you, touched your heart uh, when it comes to their experience uh, with the cannabis plant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, you know, the, the podcast came about from the book because um, as part of the book, I, I interviewed different people about their experiences just with, you know, your kind of average CBD oil that's available, you know, uh, in the shops. And um, and I spoke to some really incredible people that, that, um, that CBD basically allowed them to continue living in some way. But, you know, some people actually, you know, were sort of so desperate um, um, their life, you know, they're essentially disabled because of, you know, terrible kind of chronic pain situation and, um, and you know, we're sort of oral um, uh, morphine for breakfast, tramadol for lunch, codeine for dinner, that kind of thing. And, and CBD, you know, through that they could come off their, the opiates and, and get their life back. And it was really speaking to those people 
Um, it's one thing when you're a writer and you and you and you interview somebody and and you kind of like you know you you stitch together their interview and uh, in in an article or in this case in the book. But when you actually hear people's voices and you hear the emotion, it's something that's completely different. And I felt very strongly that people, patients, but also doctors and and scientists need a platform to really tell their stories. And there was one actually from the book that um, that really impacted on me. It was um, a little boy called called Niall, um, who when he was a baby had a a febrile convulsion. um, And from that point, um, he just stopped kind of progressing. He lost um, any little bit of vocabulary that he had. And he essentially kind of went into um, the sort of autistic bubble, I suppose you could call it. Um, and he became quite self-injurious, uh, sort of banging his head. He was very anxious. Um, and there was nothing really that doctors could could give him, really. I, I, I think they did some tests and realized that actually he may be having some seizure activity at night. But still, it wasn't something that, that doctors could could um, give him any medication for. Um, and his mum, Sharon, this amazing woman, um, through her husband, actually, they they I think they sort of probably read about Charlotte Figgy and and all these children in the United States. They did their research. They they um, they found a product that that they you know had sort of good reports about, um, and they started giving it to Niall. Um, it always just I just I feel very emotional telling this story because it, 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 it just sort of gives me goosebumps, really. But um, um, I think it was not much more than a weekend to taking his CBD oil. Um, Sharon had had her first ever conversation with her son um, who who said to her, Mummy, my my head doesn't hurt and I'm not scared anymore. So I feel, I feel a bit emotional telling this story. Um, and... And you know he, he sort of managed you know through the after taking the CBD oil, his language started to come back. He could start to feed himself. He started to you know sort of um, uh, develop um, cognitively, um, and you know they started to have a relationship with their son really for the first time. So um, yeah, so it's it, you know it's stories stories like that that really that really stay with me. Um, but also, you know, I, um, I had the great pleasure of um, speaking to uh, Dr. Alan Shackelford, who was the, was the physician who prescribed um, CBD to, to Charlotte Figgy, you know, sort of now six years ago. Um, and, um, and, you know, a, a, a very uh, knowledgeable medical cannabis doctor, but back then, he, you know, he'd never prescribed cannabis to to a child, and actually, you know, they hit there. Luckily, he just read um, a paper by Raphael Matulin, um before Charlotte's mother got in touch, which you know sort of showed the anti seizure activity of CBD. Um, and he just so happened to have found out that in in Colorado there was um, somewhere where they, you know, he could get uh, high CBD low. THC flowers. So it was just this sort of, I don't know, coming together of circumstances um, just in the right moment that meant that, you know, that Charlotte could get the medicine she needed and, and you know, kind of medical cannabis history history was made. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all sorts of stories, really, but, um, but ones that I think are really, really important to be told in, in people's own voices. Absolutely. We really appreciate you sharing those stories with us here now. Again, the book is coming out on July 23rd. It's the CBD book. 
the essential guide to CBD oil. You can pre-order it right now on marybiles.com. Uh, Mary, we are so grateful to have had you on today and to speak with us and uh, just share all of this with us. We really appreciate it. That's my great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Goodbye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hoban Minute. Do you have any ideas for episode topics or guests? We would like to hear from you. Reach out to us at media at hoban.law and stay tuned for more on the Hoban Minute.